Alright, welcome to my podcast. Uh, Today we are going to be talking about a topic which has been a big focus for me definitely the past couple years, but in particular I've really been tuned into um, just as a topic uh, in current news, in conversations with friends, in conversations in classes or online and that topic is abortion and abortion access so today on the podcast we are going to be talking a little bit about why i chose this topic to discuss uh, going into a little bit about the history of abortion throughout the ages throughout different societies and different cultures Um, a little bit about where we currently stand in America, especially talking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade this past summer, uh, the summer of 2022. Uh, I'm going to bring in a couple statistics, some interesting facts, and we're just going to try and kind of get a overall understanding of the historical elements of abortion along with a current understanding of the scope and impact of where our country's relationship with abortion is now on things that have changed fairly recently especially concerning legal standing and that impact and then cover a little bit more of the element of justice and advocating for what we need to do in the future. So let's jump right into it. I basically wanted to do a little bit of a deeper dive into the topic of abortion and abortion access because first of all, like I said at the start of the podcast, this is a topic that just has a lot of layers and tends to come up a lot for me in my life in a lot of different areas um, anywhere from conversations at work to attending protests in the city that I live in in Seattle um, to conversations that I have with friends or family members or things that I engage with online or on social media it's definitely just a topic that I engage with really frequently and I think it's really interesting and important to be monitoring what topics are not necessarily only popular in our society but what topics are rising to the forefront of conversations and media. Uh, I personally am very passionate about advocating for abortion access but I also think that it's pretty remarkable that Whether you identify as right-wing, left-wing, whatever, if you say you're non-political, this is one topic that everybody hears about. It's just very prominent, and I think that it requires having a lot of conversations and sharing a lot of research in order to have what I like to describe as the concept of the marketplace of ideas. And that's a concept that I learned in one of my communications classes. If you haven't heard of it, it's basically the idea that 
there is some kind of open forum or space where everybody, no matter their point of view, uh, contributes their ideas, their opinions. Uh, In the hypothetical example, the marketplace of ideas is ideally used to discern the truth. So obviously that has a couple flaws, but the overall idea is that the more people contribute to one main forum, the truth or whatever the goal is will rise to the top, eventually be heard. So we've definitely had some really interesting conversations in class about abortion that ranges from connecting examples or artifacts from the time periods that we've been studying to things that we see now to simply understanding the scope of abortion. I think that one fact that I learned as I have learned about how long abortion has been around for is that it has been commonly and as safely as can be practiced throughout history. Uh, It's not the medical way that abortion is administered now is related to our contemporary society, but the act itself in whatever form that takes has been around pretty much since the beginning of humans. So that's basically the second reason that I wanted to talk about abortion and abortion access is it's just such a important relevant uh contemporary topic that's really permeated um our current society especially since this past summer when roe v wade was overturned Uh, and then the third reason which is the main reason that i chose this as the theme for specifically an advocacy project is at least for me and for many of the people that i know the main catalyst and one of the real helping factors in advocating for abortion access and advocating for people who need that access and that support has simply been having conversations about the topic, learning about it, listening to people who have a wide array of knowledge about the topic speak, and through a lot of the conversations, panels, podcasts, books, articles, classes that I've attended where this has been a topic of discussion. I've amassed a fair amount of statistics, details, information, um, just understanding the level of scope that I really just think is important to share. So those are the main three reasons why I wanted to choose this topic and I think that it's really great focus Um, to advocate for. I think that while this is obviously a main connection to bridging our class topics with this advocacy project, I think it also just really says a lot about the scope of this being not necessarily just an issue, which is how we think of it and frame it in our current society, but just as an act that for a lot of people in a lot of cultures across time is a very normal, necessary, 
part of life. I remember in particular one part of class where we learned about certain burial sites that were discovered outside of brothels where there were mass infant graves and obviously that's a shocking depressing uh, thing to have to uncover and learn about a certain group of people at a certain point in time but that's a really really important discovery in a way and it says a lot about I think the control of women's bodies and the way that the patriarchy transcends so many different societies across so many points in time and all of those things factor into when we have conversations about abortion abortion rights and abortion access um in that kind of a situation when i talk about the patriarchy having an effect and control over women's bodies the situation is these women who were working at that brothel were either not able to access reliable birth control we didn't have a discussion in class about whether that was exactly used frequently or not it's definitely a safe bet to say that they did not have the reliable methods we have now if at all um but nonetheless that doesn't mean that brothels have not existed for ever and so there's this element of expecting women to be able to stay in those positions and be having sex regularly um but also understanding that they could not support children and so to be forced to work in a position where you have sex frequently with people who are not going to financially support you uh, while also being unable to support any children that may come along that is one of the central elements of controlling women's bodies using women's bodies And that really connects with a lot of the conversations that we have today about abortion. I think that one really important element of the conversation that connects back to quite a lot of what we've talked about in class regarding wealth and class and privilege um, is funds, financial security, uh, privilege, the ability to access an abortion will always be available to the people who can afford to access it and who have the right connections. And a lot of the movements that we've seen in the past couple years especially to limit abortion access have an indirectly proportionally negative effect on people who are lower class and financially insecure, uh, especially women of color. Uh, One really important statistic that I've learned is that the number one reason that is cited for people who are seeking abortions is due to financial insecurity. So we hear a lot of really straw man arguments um, that are anti-abortion that basically say things like, women are just wanting to use abortion as a method of birth control and you need to take responsibility for 
consenting to sex and accepting that risk, etc., etc. Um, but the reality is that the people who are seeking abortion typically would love to have a child or support a child. Uh, if not now, one day, they're not opposed to it, but they're not financially secure enough to do that. And when you really think about it, the irresponsible decision would be to have a child while you were financially insecure. Uh, for example, we don't let people, partnerships, families who are not financially stable and healthy adopt children. So why would it make sense to force someone who was financially insecure to have a child? And another really interesting statistic is that around 60% of people who seek abortions already have children. So clearly it's not this weird, arbitrary idea that people who need access to abortion never want children and are anti-children. It's that they know that they realistically can't support having a child or having another child and being a good parent to that child. I think that another element to this conversation that really hits home for me personally as well and why this is a topic that I feel strongly about is a lot of what I've been spending time thinking about connecting conversations in class with other things that I've learned and read and heard about in connection to our country's relationship with abortion currently as well as other countries' relationship to abortion access. And that is just this understanding that the decision to, while pregnant, follow through with that pregnancy or terminate that pregnancy is such a stressful, difficult, personal decision that seems ridiculous to put in the hands of anyone other than the person who is carrying that fetus. And especially with the uh, conversations and things that I've read and learned about in this class specifically, when we talk about the day-to-day -day lives of women in ancient Greece and Rome and how little rights they were afforded, and at the same time, the main focus or goal of their life to be producing pretty much as many children as possible just feels really it feels frustrating obviously to understand that for so long for so much of history especially up until the development of birth control women had no way to uh, avoid being pregnant unless it was after pregnancy was induced and having to have an abortion and that's another important element of the conversation that we need to think about when we connect it to our current day as well is the safety of abortions when we are seeing these measures to restrict safe legal procedures for abortion then the alternative is not that people who desperately need abortion access will simply say 
oh, well, now that I don't have access, I guess I'll just go ahead and have this child that I couldn't support before and still can't. The reality is that they're going to have to turn to uh, more unsafe methods. And of course, as was mentioned earlier, people who are privileged, who are wealthy, who have that security, they're not going to have to turn to those unsafe um methods it's the people who are disproportionately affected lower class single mothers single women women of color all of those people are going to be at a much higher risk for turning to what is called backstreet or back alley abortions which are extremely dangerous that leads me into wanting to talk a little bit more as well about some of the direct effects that we can expect to see since Roe v. Wade was overturned this past summer. Um, Certain data shows that when Roe v. Wade became president, which was in 1973, that crime rates began to drop around 15 to 20 years afterwards, which is basically painting this picture of a correlation between the children who were not born as a result of Roe v. Wade being passed and allowing abortion access. And in relation with Roe v. Wade being taken away, we can expect to see in about 15 to 20 years again an increase in crime. And that's for a lot of reasons. One of them being that when we see instances where children are born into homes that are financially insecure, that can't support another child, that don't have the capacity to care well for another child, there's an increase in child abuse and child neglect in domestic abuse and especially homicide from male partners, which is the number two leading cause of death for women in America being killed by their partners and it's extremely depressing but the fact is that women who become pregnant and become pregnant by a man who is not interested in having a kid and that women that woman cannot access a safe abortion that that kind of domestic abuse is also going to see a big increase So naturally, for children growing up in a really unstable, potentially violent environment like that, turning to crime is going to be much more likely, and that's why we can predict seeing a rise in crime in that time frame. So throughout all of this conversation, we've kind of gone all over the place discussing different elements of abortion historically, how it connects to the modern day, our current relationship with abortion access in America, and I think it's painted a pretty obvious picture both in class discussions that we've had and throughout this podcast that there's so many layers to this topic. There's the layer of race, as we mentioned, women of color are impacted primarily by Uh, a lack of abortion access. There's a class element to it, which we've also talked a lot about when studying ancient Greek and Roman cultures. Um, There's that wealth 
element of it when we talk about who will be able to access abortion purely because of financial security, financial abundance, regardless of whether or not abortion access is legal in certain areas, etc. So understanding a little bit more about how complex this issue is, we can ask the question of how do we look at this as something to advocate for in terms of abortion access and how do we look at this as an issue of justice and hearing the term reproductive justice has become a pretty popular well-known phrase um, in the past couple years which I really like. I think that that illustrates exactly what a lot of these conversations are about which is essentially that having the ability and the power to choose what's best for you, your body, and your life is justice and having that control over your own reproductive system is justice. So I personally have gotten involved in advocacy surrounding this topic in a couple different ways. I've had quite a few conversations with friends and family about it. I've spent time researching it, reading about it. I've attended panels and lectures about the topic. I've gone to protests. I've written articles and stories about it for my school newspaper. There's a whole range of ways that we can individually advocate for abortion access. And as I mentioned earlier, simply just being open to learning about the topic, learning about the different layers and elements and complexity of a topic that's so relevant today, and then taking that information and sharing it. Even if, for example, that's just a little statistic that you picked up somewhere that you remember, and maybe you hear someone talking about this topic and inaccurately making some kind of assumption or stereotype, and remembering that information that you heard or learned about or that was shared with you from a reliable source and just having the power to discern especially in an era where the media and social media specifically is constantly pumping out mis and disinformation i think that part of being a good advocate is being able to have reliable sources and discern what is uh, fake news, if you will, or inaccurate statistics or inaccurate assumptions, Uh, especially because this topic is so moral. There's so many moral statements and assumptions and stereotypes and arguments made from all perspectives. So overall, I think that when it comes to what justice and advocacy looks like in relation to abortion access, there's so many different ways of enacting that. Uh, Obviously, getting involved in any way, even if it's a small way, is much better than nothing. Uh, That can look like, as I said, just educating yourself on the topic, making sure you have reliable, accurate information. Uh, That can look like going to local protests, donating to certain organizations, 
Um, And I think for me personally, just having those honest, sometimes emotional, but really important conversations with people, listening to people, getting other people's perspectives, hearing questions, asking questions, just really creating that open dialogue, which is a lot of what we've practiced in our class that has been a really helpful learning experience for me, being able to ask questions and be curious listen to the ideas and connections that other people have that's such a valuable tool that we have as people and is pretty much always accessible so i think that there's a lot of different ways that we can engage with being an advocate for this topic especially and i really hope that this conversation whether it was through a statistic that you heard or some kind of connection to what I've learned about in class or any element of the podcast. I hope that that sparked a little bit of maybe an idea or just some thoughts or just that you learned something new about this topic.